Welcome to episode 127 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. This episode's sponsor is Pru Real Estate. Should you have any questions about real estate in Jackson Hole, give Dan Vazoski or Greg Pru a call or visit Pru.com. That is P-R-U-G-H.com to search current listings today. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Before I begin this week's episode, I want to say thank you to all of my regular listeners and my new listeners. Please share this podcast with someone that you know. My mission is to bring you fascinating stories of people connected to my home, Jackson Hole. The people sharing their stories are the same people we see each day walking down the street or just drinking a good cup of coffee at one of our local cafes. I feel that we all have a story to share and I wanna bring you stories which you will connect with and add good energy to your day. Sharing stories allows us all to learn and grow so we may all live full lives. And P.S. Please stop into one of my businesses, the Jackson Hole Marketplace, just a short distance south of town. Grab something for breakfast or lunch. The sandwiches, I guarantee, are badass. For the second week in a row, I have the honor to have two guests joining me. Hannah Haberman and Jesse Bryant, who host their own podcast, Yonder Lies. Hannah and Jesse met right here in Jackson Hole via related channels. I found Hannah and Jesse are deep thinkers and enjoy meaningful conversations. While living in the Valley, they found themselves wrapped in topics about our community, which needed addressing. So Hannah and Jesse, they did something about it. They decided they could contribute to our community by creating a podcast. And this podcast allows them and all of us to have more interesting layered thought-provoking conversations. I know you will be inspired to up your conversation game after listening to Hannah and Jesse. Hannah and Jesse, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's uh, a delight and honor to have another podcast crew on the podcast as guests. So welcome. Thanks so much for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks, Stefan. You're welcome. I, I like to start each episode with the guests sharing what your connection is to Jackson Hole. So since Jesse was the first on the call today, we'll start with Jesse. <laughs> uh, and Jesse, you can give us a, the listeners a quick rundown of what is your connection to this place, Jackson Hole? Sure. I landed in Jackson sort of by accident, like seven years ago. I had no connection to Jackson Hole. I had no like, had never been here before. My family, there was no like family lore. I never went on like family vacations in Jackson. Uh, I did grow up skiing a lot. So I like heard about this mythological place out there in the state of Wyoming. But yeah, I, I, moved, I moved to Jackson initially to teach at the Teton Science Schools. And yeah, I was so out of the loop that the first like week and a half, it was a bit disappointing. Frankly, I, um, I, Rolled up to town and after hearing about how great the skiing was, saw Snow King and thought it was Jackson Hole Mountain Resort and was just kind of like a bit confused. I mean, now Snow King is a very uh, soft spot in my heart, obviously. But yeah, I moved here to work for the Teton Science Schools, didn't know a single thing about the place. 
And over the course of, mm, I sort of lived in Jackson for like four years and then spent two years uh, at grad school um, at the Yale, what was then the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, really focusing on Jackson as like a, and the greater Yellowstone ecosystem as a place and steeping myself in all the complicated conversations about people and land history and then moved back after after that it was a just sort of like a environmental management degree and that's when Hannah and I decided to make the podcast fabulous well thank you yeah I'm glad you found the Teton Science Schools in Jackson yeah it's yeah. cool I I actually had never heard of the Teton Science Schools either really before applying to this job it was a a friend of mine who just told me about it and I applied and landed and uh the rest is history, I guess. It is, I think, like, the way that Jackson is situated in my life, though, now, in terms of just, like, connection is, is a place of, like, really growing up, having the time and space to grow up, and um, the space to breathe. I was in a pretty intense environment before coming out to Wyoming, in sort of the traditional trajectory of the Easterner moving west, uh, and so it was a bit of a, like, med- a time of, like, medicine for me, in many ways. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. And, and Hannah. Totally. Well, fitting that Jesse would go first because there's some similarities and there's some notable differences in our stories. And I grew up in Billings in Montana, so I had definitely heard of Jackson, had definitely never been here before uh, and yeah, never went on any family trips, but knew it was a place that existed and wasn't super far away. And yeah, Jesse, along with other friends of mine, worked at Teton Science School. And I remember looking at all their pictures on social media and being like, wow, living in Jackson seems very beautiful and fun. So I'll keep that on my list of things to consider uh, after I graduated from college in Vermont. And I guess before graduating, I came out here in 2017 to Jackson and visited Jesse for about a week. And it was the week that it just totally nuked snow here for like basically the whole week. It was the the time that the village shut down, the like Sears caved in. And that was the first time I'd ever been to Jackson. And I was like, wow, what is this place where it's like snowing constantly and buildings are getting destroyed and no one can travel anywhere. So it definitely piqued my curiosity. And I think maybe the semester before that, I had taken a, a class in college called the New West. It was like an environmental and political examination of just what is happening in the American West as there's these patterns of amenity tourism and a shift in energy production and uh, the continued commodification of the natural environment and recreation. And so, yeah, that gave me such an interesting vocabulary to think about both Jackson, but also a lot of the places that I grew up in, in Billings, Bozeman, um, these communities that I'd always just been a part of and hadn't really had the opportunity to zoom out and, and look at the bigger picture. So that provided just a really interesting framework that I couldn't really shake. I was like, I want to learn more about all of these things. So yeah, at the start of 2019, I moved to Jackson and was a AmeriCorps teacher at TSS and have been based here ever since. Um, and I think To me, yeah, Jackson feels like just a place where I've gotten the opportunity to learn from so many people and just really grow as a person and dive into so many incredible and complex conversations. Jackson, to me, feels like a place where people are super connected by their passion for this place, for doing good work, for asking big and tough questions. And I just feel really grateful to be a part of that and be a part of that conversation. So happy to be here. 
I'm glad that you made it here through Jesse via Jesse, but also with AmeriCorps and, and, and again, another Teton Science School connection. It, it seems as though a lot of people in this town are one way or another connected to Teton Science Schools or there, there's some underlying thread that, that brings people to, together out here. And, and I like what you said, the, the complex conversations that you can have with people. We have a, a community that is um, very layered. And uh, when you have that, it, it adds some complexity to it. So let's talk about what brings us together today, why we have you guys today. And it's, it's the podcast that the two of you are doing called Yonder Lies, uh, which was, by the way, recently um, mentioned in an article in Time Magazine. Congratulations. You guys are um, globally famous. Uh, and are, I'll have to, maybe you can sign the screen for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talk to me about how did Yonder Lies come about? What is Yonder Lies? What, what can people expect when they tune into your podcast? Totally. I can start with how it came about, how it came to be. Um, Jesse and I were living here and had both been here for, you know, a fair amount of time. And we're having all these conversations with friends, with acquaintances, with one another, um, with ourselves, just really, like you're saying, peeling back all these layers and examining their intersections and their crossovers and the gaps between them. And I think it maybe got to a point where we were like, all we're doing is talking about these things and maybe we should uh, broaden the conversation. So we're not just, you know, spending all this time talking to ourselves and we can share with other people. So I think that the project definitely came out of a shared passion on both of our parts of of wanting to start conversations and educate and create community dialogue. Yeah, Jackson can definitely be a place where especially young 20-somethings like ourselves live in Jackson, whether that be for a season or a year or five years, and they never really go beyond the surface. And I think seeing that in some of our peers who weren't having these conversations, being like, what can we do to just help give people like a set of things to learn more about this place and be curious about it and honestly like think outside of their own or our own individualistic like today I'm going skiing I'm going to tie me up and I'm not thinking about anything else and I'm going to do that for a hundred days in a row um <laughs> and nothing against going to tie me up I love tie me up I get Brussels sprouts there like every week but I see myself in that pattern too for sure <laughs> um but yeah, and then we were super lucky to partner with the local radio station, KHOL, um, with a local nonprofit called the Northern Rockies Conservation Cooperative, and with the Jackson Hole Historical Society, who are all excited to support this project uh, in different capacities, providing environmental expertise, providing historical perspectives, providing some of the know-how and connections for just making a podcast and spreading it in this community. And yeah, and then we just kind of started on the train of exploring a bunch of things. And Jesse, I'll let you take it from here. Sure. I think, I think it, just to add on to what Hannah said, I think both of us were, we're having all these conversations, but also like, you know, the media landscape now is like kind of interesting and complicated and there are ways to get 
your voice out there that there weren't before. And we both have had interests in like writing for newspapers and doing journalism and, you know, writing for various publications in different forms. And I was really interested in documentary filmmaking for a while and ran a film festival. And I think both of us just kind of wanted to see what it took just to like start a podcast like not apply for a job at a radio or like a typical outlet and just kind of like do it and see what happens. So there was a lot, honestly, like last November, was it Han? Like it was a lot of just jumping into the deep end and doing it, which I'm sure Stefan, you like that may or may not resonate with you, but when you make a podcast, oh, it does. <laughs> yeah, you just got to do it <laughs> and just like put it out there and like maybe take out Facebook ads and just like do all these things that aren't just sending your, resume into a newspaper and like hoping to get leads and stuff so that we were both just like it was a mystery let's just like do it that's how life can be fun that way you know jumping into the deep end a little bit and just like for me and I think this is true for Han too like we very much saw ourselves in the patterns that we were like kind of a little disturbed by here uh, in terms of like ignorance like I said like I just moved to this place and was just like well it was like hitting a wall of what the heck is all this stuff going on wait there's this is a wealthy place wait everyone's a cowboy wait nobody's a cowboy wait who is a cowboy it was just like it, trying to get to the bottom of like what exactly jackson is was also born out of my own ignorance so it, like a lot of the podcast is born from this place of like uh, i'm sort of the problem and like let's like work through this publicly and just start conversations like I don't think I don't think Yonder Lies ever was intended to end any conversations or be the authority on anything, really. But yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations to you guys for just jumping in there and doing something, but also realizing that there's more to the conversation of what we just see in our in our little circle every day. And, and that's part of why I, I do this podcast is we do get so routine in who we talk to, how we obtain information, what our channels of information are. And until we branch out and learn from other people, then how do we grow? Mm -hmm. And, and you guys having those conversations and saying, wow, we're talking about all this stuff, all these different areas, but we should be talking about it with other people as well. Let's do something about it. And, and Hannah, I, I really appreciated what you had to say with you get a certain group of people that move here and they don't know the history and in our history is how we learn to make sure that we don't make the same mistakes, but also how we can make today better and tomorrow better. And I just reflect back and think about when the park was being created and think about the disparity of wealth in this community now. And the uproar that it brings at times or the conversation it brings. Well, unless that wealth was here at one point, John D. Rockefeller, we wouldn't have Grand Teton National Park. And then moving forward, you had the ranchers who survived off those grazing rights before it became park and were vehemently against it being a park because they didn't want to lose those grazing rights, of course. But then Fast forward to later in their lives, they realized it was the best thing that ever could have that could have ever happened to this area of preserving that those areas for for nature. And, and that's just one story. Yeah, the way especially with this, even like a story like wealth that feels like a really I, I don't want to say problem, but just like a property of this place now 
I think it's really easy to get zoned in on this particular moment that we're in, in, in uh, Jackson Hole, like the Valley, uh, broadly in the whole area, as though it's like a new problem <laughs> or, or a new property of the area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it's like, whoa, there's like wealth coming from the outside in Jackson Hole and changing the total complexion of this community. <laughs> and like, as though that's like a new pattern. And like you're saying, like in reality, it's sort of been what's been going on here for a long time, whether it was actually like the initial ranchers coming in and kicking out the Bannock folks or like the Rockefellers coming in and kicking out the, the or buy, buying out the ranchers in the Valley. Um, yeah, I'm going to challenge you to the kicking out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah feel free to. Yeah. Because there were a lot of people who homesteaded here that couldn't make it. So yeah. fortunately some of the wealth did buy them out. Mm-hmm. which gave them a little bit of money for their land and granted it created bigger land ranches, but yeah. um, oops, sorry. No, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for actually holding me accountable on that. I totally agree. It's like the, the whole Rockefeller moment w- was not like uh eminent domain. Like we're just stealing all your land, yeah. which maybe that first iteration was before that, but sure. it was actually like giving people money and who they took that money and like maybe went somewhere where frankly, like, grazing cattle was more viable year round and invested it elsewhere. So no, you're totally right. But it is still just like this, the, you know, places evolve and change, but sometimes these like patterns are uh, older, have a longer arc than we like, or um, especially moving to a new place and not really knowing the property than, than we're willing to like know initially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciated what you said too, about just the way in which, yeah, investigating more about the past and knowing more about these patterns can help us like, Uh, be more informed about what a a better present can look like and what a better future can look like. I think especially young people, potentially just by virtue of being young, and then also how a lot of young people live here in Jackson, like aren't really thinking about the past or much outside of the present or the future. And I think there's like so much exciting potential when we learn more about the fabric that we're existing within for people to just get really excited and invested in the community, in its future, in people who are, you know, not themselves. And I think especially for myself as a young person trying to understand how to get, you know, like put down roots in the way that I want to be living, you know, so many 20 somethings are in this process of self-discovery and just trying to figure out how you want to be in the world. Making this podcast was such an amazing exercise in like, yeah, the more you learn about a place, the more passionate you become about it, the more you learn about all these intricacies, the more, at least for me, I want to learn more. I want to like continue to understand. And I think I really hope in this process, we have been able to inspire that curiosity in others. I definitely felt that while making all these episodes. And I just really think there's something powerful and exciting about the truth for me that the more you learn about something, the more you want to learn more about it. And then the more you care about it, it's just this beautiful snowball process. And I grew up with, I think I'm coming to understand this really deep ethic of care and community uh, and like investment in community well-being. And it feels super powerful. And I think, I don't know, I think regardless of where people are living, whether that's in Jackson, whether that's anywhere, and whether you're young, whether you're 20 something, whether you're any age, like, I don't know, living in this way of being curious about place, being curious about history and how it can inform present and future is just like a really delightful way to be in the world. So it's been fun to get to explore that and deepen in that. And I hope that we've been able to share that with other people. 
Thank you. And I'm glad that you mentioned no matter where you live, whether it's elsewhere, let's say Chicago, New York City, or Brookhaven, Mississippi, or, you know, Monroe, Louisiana, wherever it is, if you're young, you have to get out there and be inquisitive of where you live and not just get in your routine. And I think here in this town is it's easier or not it is just as easy as anywhere else, but it's more, more prevalent to see because we're smaller versus if you're in a larger community, you can just get lost in all the minutiae of everything else, but you can get lost easily here. Totally. I mean, one of the most satisfying uh, moments of making this show is a friend of mine from college uh, moved to Minneapolis, which both my parents are from the Twin Cities. So I feel like a heart connection to that part of the world. But she was like, in listening to your podcast, I've just been super inspired to like learn a lot more about this community that I've just moved into and wanting to understand like, yeah, who were the indigenous peoples who lived here before Minneapolis and St. Paul were created by white settlers and what was their history? What is happening presently in terms of wealth inequality and housing? And, you know, just to have someone come away from listening to this with that curiosity just feels super exciting. And I actually think it's like an obligation of everyone, but young people, especially who often are participating in these cycles of, for lack of a better word, like gentrification as they're moving to new towns. Uh, I just think having this ethic of like basic community awareness and engagement is, I think, essential and something I hope that we continue to see in the world. Congratulations. You make an impact on one person and that person can make an impact on somebody else. And it just starts adding up, multiplying, growing by factors. Good work. Thank you. <laughs> I, I am very curious to know what process do you, do you two go through to pick the topic of your episodes? And do you go through research? How, how do you put it all together? Yeah, that's a great question. I was kind of laughing to myself as you were asking that because I, like a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, when we were envisioning this process and starting to create infrastructure for it, we took a giant sheet of butcher paper and like some colored markers and we just wrote out, I think it was like 15 or 20 concepts or themes or just things that we thought could be episode um, subject matters. And eventually we whittled that down to, I think, 10 or 11 that kind of served as the basic structure for the episodes that, that we did end up making in this season. And there we definitely like deviated a little bit from that and had little fun side episodes. But I think we just looked at Jackson and we were like, okay, if we were to divide this into 10 chapters or 10 main properties, like Jesse was saying, that really define some of the community character from a social and political and environmental perspective. Um, what would those be? And, and what would we think would kind of make up this building block of like a primer of Jackson? So that was kind of how the basic ideas came about was just this big brainstorming session. And we created like a flow through those topics that seem to sort of make sense uh, in terms of starting with the history of Grand Teton National Park, because I think in so many ways that entity has defined this community in some pretty notable ways. And then it seemed to make sense that we should also talk about the indigenous history and the present day indigenous impacts in this area. And then, yeah, things just kind of naturally 
spiraled from there and like, okay, how can we build on this set of knowledge? Um, and I think you can listen to the episodes standalone for sure as well. And research, do we do research? Yes. <laughs> Maybe Jess, you can talk a little bit about that. Sure. One of the really special just relationships we created at the beginning of this whole process was with the Natural History Museum and sort of Archive Center in Jackson and uh, Morgan over there, uh, who's the executive director. It's just been super delightful. And, and I think in, in our earlier episodes that were like maybe more hi- historical in some ways, like we use more of their archival stuff, which just to plug, they have uh, audio images. Uh, a lot of it's digitized now um, at the Historical Society. Um, for anyone doing research. There's such an incredible institution in the Valley that I think is underutilized. And so we did a bunch of archival work for the early episodes and did a little bit less for the later episodes. And yeah, a lot of, I think the way that we were thinking about, well, like what we were interested in, in some ways was less like, here's the scientific, what the science says about the elk and more about like, what are people saying about the elk? What is the drama here about elk? (laughs) So we were, a lot of our storytelling, just like the research that we did was less about what is objectively true and and more about how are people processing this? How are people in this valley making meaning, building stories from, building identities around these different issues, animals, housing, an episode that Hannah just made is awesome. And that was just talking to different groups that were like, organizing around that issue uh but then there's episodes on um you know bears <laughs> which a lot of people care about it turns out <laughs> and that research process looked different <laughs> um but after we would just do a ton of research read a ton of news articles read scientific articles watch documentaries youtube videos there's so much information out there looked a little different every time but then one of us would sort of take point on writing the episode sort of like writing the scaffolding for the episode and filling in the scaffolding and then the other would sort of act as an editor in some ways and then yeah, we just sort of uh, traded off that way. Sounds like you guys are investing quite a bit of time to produce each episode. Yeah. In the, in the re- world of the research to get your information. Totally. I mean, I think it's no secret, but worth just saying out loud, both Jesse and I are like pretty nerdy and like love <laughs> reading and love just like learning as a process. And so even though it was certainly a lot of time, to me, it felt like the best parts of college when you would be like writing a paper or doing a project and you'd like sit down and then you'd look up and like four hours had passed and you just be like, whoa, okay, I just <laughs> went into a total hole here. Uh, but I think had both of us not intrinsically enjoyed researching, it would have been pretty arduous. <laughs> uh, but again, it was both fun from like, you know, a storytelling and a craft perspective. How can we tell this in a compelling and interesting way? And also personally, I just felt like I learned so much. And one of my favorite parts of the project has been, and I'm sure you can relate to this, just getting to interview people. I think I would always get butterflies and like be a little nervous when I would hop on calls with people or talk to them in person. Uh, But just, it's so amazing to get to listen to people talk about things that they're passionate about and things that they know a lot about. It just is like, like no other. Yeah, kind of similar to maybe to draw a weird parallel. It's kind of like skiing when you're in this flow state and everything is just like making sense and you're just cruising. Like when you listen to someone talk about something they love, it feels the same way. And um, so that part of research was was really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you both. We're going to get more into what you guys do with your podcast, Yonder Lies. 
and where it's going in the future. But we're going to have a quick word from one of our sponsors and then we'll be right back. When you're thinking about making a real estate decision, it's important to go with someone you can really trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Vizoski at Pru Real Estate to personally handle a real estate transaction. The service and attention I received made me feel as though that I really am important. Greg Pru started Pru Real Estate in 2002 with you and now me, the customer in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call at 307 733-9888 733-9888 or visit pru.com. Again, that's P-R-U-G-H.com to connect today. Let them know you heard about them from me. That's Stefan, the podcast guy. Welcome back, Hannah and Jesse, the co-hosts and creators of Yonder Lies podcast, which is uh, based on the history and culture of, of this beautiful valley of Jackson Hole and probably the surrounding areas as well. And I'm interested to know, where do you think you're going to take the podcast? What is What does the future look like in your crystal ball? Hannah is pointing to Jesse to take the, <laughs> take the question. Uh, yeah, we're figuring that out right now. I think, like you said, these projects are really time intensive and a lot of the piecing it together also involved applying for grants and like making it like literally feasible. I mean, as you know, Jackson's an expensive place to live. And so building this project, I think part of building this project uh, was there's the creative aspect, but there's also just like the question in both of our minds of like, what does it take to build out a real creative project on your own in 2020, (laughs) which we didn't expect 2020 to be the way it was, but yeah, I think we've talked about a handful of different directions it could go. And I think, the, the real answer is like um, lies somewhere in between what we want to do and what we can do, <laughs> I guess, uh, would, would be one thing. One of our, I think both of our favorite episodes was this um, Myth of the Cowboy episode. And I think that's sort of the direction we might be moving in if we were to continue to build out, which is taking these sort of like tropes and characters of the American West and asking okay, why does this exist? Where did this character come from? How is it useful? And how is it also damaging? Like what was the lived reality? Um, I was, why was that your, both of your favorites? Well, it was an episode that was not planned uh-huh. and just kind of came out of us chatting about this a lot <laughs> over a short period of time. We wrote it really quick. And uh, for me, that is like what I'm interested in in the world <laughs> is this sort of... Uh, these questions about how do we, so just to back up just really quick, I was a very hard science person growing up and I fell out of that world pretty hard. Uh, part of me falling out of that world involved moving to Wyoming. I grew up in New York, uh, up to upstate New York. And I think I was really interested in learning about the concrete objective world. And now I am not so much interested in that, I'm more interested in the subjective world of meaning making and characters and drama and stories and how we sort of sense the world in a way and the difference between those two things is very interesting to me and so with the cowboy there's this like classic character of the cowboy in in america that Mm -hmm. is one thing and then there is the real world that there are people who graze cattle and do that for a living it is very hard work and they are dwindling and 
the dissonance between how elevated the character of the cowboy is and how hard the work is and how in some ways complicated the material reality of being a rancher these days is it's a weird thing you know it's like it's like there's there's the way we think about the world and the way the world actually is and that gap is what motivates me yeah and that was sort of what we were doing with that episode but there's other characters too not i'm not going to drag on but there's lumberjacks there's uh the soccer mom there's uh um you know the redneck there's all these characters that exist and um there's also real people (laughs) anyway that was a bit of a rant i apologize but that was why that was my favorite episode (laughs) yeah that was a good one and i think it it flowed really well and and just felt rich in terms of exploring that gap like jesse was saying between you know reality and myth perception and lived experience and I think in terms of thinking about what Yonder Lies will look like in the future, yeah, we're definitely in this moment of like pausing after kind of a, a year, I mean, obviously of a lot of drama and pain uh, in the world at large, and then just a year of this learning process. And I think both of us are just taking a moment to step back and be like, all right, we learned all these amazing skills. Like we had the opportunity to tell these awesome stories and help them come to life. And now like, yeah, where can we put this creative energy and curiosity and passion next. And for me particularly, I think wanting to find a way that Yonder Lies or whatever iteration of it comes next, yeah, continues to just tackle these these big questions facing Jackson as a community, facing like the American West as a a more regional community. Um, I'm particularly interested in kind of stories and dramas as the American West transitions from non-renewables to renewables, thinking about what a just energy transition will look like and how some of these myths or perceptions will come into play with reality, with jobs, with policy. And I think that's a really interesting question to think about in Jackson and Wyoming and in the American West at at large um, is both interesting from like a theoretical big picture and is also people's lives uh, and and continuing to explore that tiny tiny scale of like someone's grief or someone's excitement to all the way out to like what is our energy grid gonna look like in 50 years you know when I think about the future of the podcast I feel affirmed that there will probably be no shortage of like interesting and thought-provoking and layered and complex stories that people will benefit from engaging with and being part of the conversation with in this community and uh, in communities at large. So I'm excited for whatever comes next and just also feel super grateful for the work we have been able to make. I don't think, you know, a year ago today, we were probably making our like second episode and we're like laying on the floor with note cards all around us being like, what are we trying to do right now? (laughs) Um, So it's pretty amazing how much you can learn in a year. And so many things have come out of this project that I never would have expected. I mean, in our second episode, we interviewed this woman named Lynette Grable, who is a a missing and murdered Indigenous women and children advocate um, based out of Lander, who's really an inspiring person. And we had an awesome interview and built a really cool relationship. And then in the middle of the summer, she reached out to us and asked us to uh, help work on her campaign. She ran for U.S. House of Representatives this fall. And yeah, that's something I never, ever would have been like, this is going to be part of my 2020. So I just really believe projects like this help open doors for the people who make them, for people who listen to them. Um, and whether that's and opportunities, whether that's doors and your thoughts or the way that you're perceiving the world. And I just hope as we move forward with this project, 
we continue to to embody that spirit and, and keep that energy in the world. I, I appreciate the passion that the two of you have for for this project that you're working on. And not everybody understands the amount of investment of time and energy emotion that you put into creating this content that you're creating through with yonder lies because you care about it and it's easy to do something off the cuff you just had to go for it but it's not easy to put the the emotional investment in, in it that you guys are doing it and i i wish we could see more people doing that with other aspects of work or personal life or volunteer life because it would it'd be a greater impact and I thank you for the impact that you're making, not just here, but your friend who lives in Minneapolis, you made an impact there. Who, who knows who else you made, you've made an impact with. And that's the beautiful part about podcasting is it travels wherever, all over the globe, and it's timeless. It will always live in the ether, and someone will be able to access it and learn from what you're producing. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for that. In some ways, we, again, this is the start of a conversation. We would hope that people would, and maybe not even us in Jackson, would challenge us and continue the conversation and continue the dialogue about these topics that we brought up. And frankly, like a, we were just doing our best, but it's the start of a conversation. We hope to see more people doing it too, even in this town. Have you had people contact you to challenge you or engage with you in your conversations? Um, we haven't been challenged in ways that feel non-trolly. I don't think, hmm. um, there's, there was actually one, there were, there were, we had a couple of reviews that are just like biased and it's like, okay. Um, but there was one guy, wasn't there Han? Like, uh, some guy where we both read it and we were like, dang, this is a kind of upsetting comment. But then I started like challenging him back over Facebook comments and, it turned into this like pretty wild conversation where we like learned about his life and how he actually like is a doctor that like has children and like it, it just his, his like life story came out it was this like the opposite of what people imagine a Facebook dumpster fire to be it just was like it started <laughs> really bad and it just got really delightful so that's the only thing that I comes to mind other than the like your classic internet trolls which are just like biased liberal we had somebody leave a review at the liquor store and gave us one star and then wrote, I don't drink. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Why did you even take the time to give that business a review? <laughs> Great way to uh, guess spend a Friday night. I, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's tough. Friday that's night tough. sitting on the couch drinking some seltzer water. I guess you got to do something. Um, but I've gotten feedback from my podcast saying that I didn't have enough women and they gave a whole list of people I needed to interview. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, if anybody knows me, there was no, um, mindset in me who I asked to be on the podcast that I only wanted to have men or majority of men. And, Mm -hmm. and it was funny that the list of people that they recommended I contact, I'd already contacted them, (laughs) but they didn't respond. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh, go ahead Han, sorry. i was just gonna say it's like the beauty and the struggle of yeah 
connecting with people over the internet is, you know, they're just going to say what they're going to say and you got to take it however you can take it and, you know, take it and run with it as best you can. Um, but I mean, that's a cool thing about podcasts and I guess like media more generally now, even though sometimes the communication or feedback feels super open. Uh, it's cool that there's these conversations between listeners and producers and I think that creates a really healthy ecosystem and it's been cool to have people reach out to us and either, you know, give us positive feedback or ask us questions. And, and if anything, yeah, I just hope it's like helping people reflect and, and have conversations with people around them too. It's been, uh, the, the episodes were airing on KHOL as well. And it was cool to have friends and acquaintances just say, oh, I like heard you on the radio as I was driving. And I'm really grateful that we had that opportunity to share our platform. And I hope that help the content reach people who maybe otherwise wouldn't have been listening. But yeah, we're always open to feedback. And especially as we are in this moment of um, setting a new bearing, we'd love to hear, you know, what people think might be worth investigating and being curious about for sure. Well, as one of you guys said, there is an endless number of topics to investigate around here. And I think that's any community, but certainly here is not boring. I tell you that. Anybody who says that they're over this town because it's boring, they're not investing in themselves to figure out what's going on in this town. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think that's in any community. <laughs> totally. The second you like start paying attention to the world, you're like, oh, there's a high probability I will never be bored because there is so much going on and so much to learn about. <laughs> I, I feel like that's our own choice. It's our own choice to have a bad day. Mm -hmm. uh, it's our own choice of how we process the information around us and what we do with it, what we do with each moment of the day. So it's, and I, I love that you guys are offering this con the content that you're offering out there and, and bringing the history of, of this community alive. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's such a delight. And thank you for all the awesome work that you're doing in the community as well. It's, just awesome to be able to hear different people's stories. And I do think it makes this community stronger and healthier and more full. And that's beautiful. It is indeed. So guys, go ahead, Jesse. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think every town in America should have like what you do, like an interview show and then like a history show, like what we do. I was just, I went, I went to Tennessee for the first time recently and was in Chattanooga. And as I was driving down there, I was like frantically trying to find the like interview show the like jh connection or yonder lies of chattanooga and it just like didn't exist and then i showed up to this place and was like i don't know anything about where i am and it was a little mm -hmm. disappointing i was like we need we need these we need these as we like move into a more connected world it's need more uh i guess folks doing this kind of work and it's pretty easy in a place like jackson which is like uh, a bit of a celebrity place but every place is complicated like both of you have said it is well said both of you guys because so many people are going to want to reach out to you guys and connect and say thank yous and give you a big appreciations. How can people connect with Hannah and Jesse? Totally. I think the best ways to connect with us are probably as most 20 somethings uh, on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> I think if you look up Yonder Lies podcast on both of those platforms, you'll find us and feel free to message us. Um, and we try to be pretty responsive and create dialogue through that. And yeah, I think that's the main way. <laughs> yeah, I think there. that's how you found us. <laughs> Um, well, 
I know that's how Michael found you guys, <laughs> yeah. but we knew we knew about you and saw that you guys were continuing the work when you first started and wanted to make sure that we get to talk about it. And yeah. that way you can share your story so other people can live more f- fulfilled lives. Well, thanks for that. And I think if, and if people want to just like find the podcast, we're on Apple podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and just yonder lies unpacking the myths of Jackson hole. I think it's still pretty searchable. So we should be right there. <laughs> Good work. Both of you. I so appreciate your time today and keep up the great work. And I look forward to hearing what uh, your episodes of what 2021 brings and the future. Well, thank you so much. It's been really a delight and thanks for all the work you do and keep on keeping on. <laughs> That's right. Keep the big wheels turning. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <Stephen. laughs> all right, guys. Be well. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. To learn more about Hada, Jesse and Yonder Lies podcast, visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 127. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Get out there and share this podcast. Say hello. Give some gratitude to somebody today to make them feel appreciated. Thank you, Laura, my wife, my boys, William and Lewis, and Michael Morey, who edits and markets this podcast. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.